we take out the concept of you know, Jesus changed the world, but quite frankly, most of the time he only ministered to about 12 guys. Uh, and, but through them he changed the world. Can, can you command people and issue orders without, without leading? Yeah, we see that all the time when somebody gives orders and nobody follows. You know, it's easy to look at elders and deacons from a worldly standpoint. It's easy to see them as House and Senate uh, in, a, in, a, in kind of a government capacity. You know, maybe in some churches, maybe the, the elders deal with the spiritual issues and the deacons deal with the physical issues, and we, we, we create this delineation that way. But I don't think that that's the point, certainly of 1 Timothy chapter 3. Um, there's no separation between spiritual and non-spiritual. If the sidewalk needs repaving, that is a spiritual issue. It affects people's ability to to come to church safely and, and to worship effectively. Everything we do here at the First Church of Christ, even if it seems physical, needs to have that spiritual aspect to it, a spiritual focus. So I want to look at chapter 3 today of 1 Timothy, but to take it a look differently. I, a lot of times we talk about the differences between elders and deacons. I actually want to look at what they have in common today, and I think then it becomes easier to apply to us because I think the things that elders and deacons have in common should apply to everybody in the church and not just a few people serving. So we're going to read First Timothy chapter 3. It's not a long chapter. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect and sincere not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the, of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And in the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, The mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, 
was believed on in the world and was taken up in glory. So the first thing I would say that this text does, God addresses the call of elders and deacons. Both elders and deacons have to be called to the position. You know, they may begin advertising. I used to think that Christmas was the day that just felt like we just advertised forever. It, it feels like Christmas has only been gone six, seven months, and, we're, and, and we start advertising for it again, right? It's just earlier and earlier. It used to be, you know, you waited until after Thanksgiving. And then, it was, then it started inching forward, and now they're selling Christmas stuff before, before Halloween. But, but that has been eclipsed by our, our, our election cycle. Um, the, the next candidate hasn't even had the chance to be installed before, before people have started campaigning against him or her. Um, we, have, we have major national elections every two years, and, but we campaigned for 22 months before that election. Um, it, it, I, they just go on and on. Uh, I don't know if it's always been that way or I've just noticed it the older, older I've got. We, we see... Part of the problem with elections is we see, and sometimes we see the same actors again and again and again, and, and we wonder if it's really about public service. I think for some people it's about power, and I think for some people, and I'm, some people it's about money, and I'm not saying everybody is that way, but we all know that there are some people that it's more about power and authority and command than it is about uh, making the world a better place. Now, some people... Some people, I think that they really do have the heart of a servant, and we have to wade through that, don't we, with elections. We, we try to look for the people that we think are going to be true civil servants, and, and they're not in it for the power. When we talk about the church, and we talk about leadership in the church, it can only be about service. It can never be about the power and the command and the authority. It's not about getting a person getting their way or making a name for themselves. When we talk about church leadership, we're talking about serving the flock of God. Uh, we're talking about, I'm reminded of, of the prophet Zechariah, who vividly describes being a shepherd and serving a flock that hated him, and yet God commanding him to do that anyway and to take on the lowly life of a servant shepherd. The first question should be for anybody who feels who feels they should be a, 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 some in, in a position of of we'll use the word authority, a position of authority in the church. Do you feel the call of God? This that has to come before even we, if we want to do it. Is is this something that God is calling us to? Um, we don't make someone an elder or a deacon and then hope that they live up to the task. Hope that. You know, this person seems like a commanding figure. We sure hope God's behind it. That's got to be the very first thing that we ask. You know, leadership is part of it, but God's call to the person is the very first thing that we look at. In the case of deacons, it says that they are to be tested. Well, who tests them? Is it a Scantron test? Is it a number two pencil and fill in the dots? No, no. The elders would look into that if, if, if the elders see the call of God, the church. The church should be able to tell who's being called for the task. 
Um, most, I, I'm grateful that for the two churches I've, I've served in, the attitude of, of the leadership has not been let's pick leaders and pray that, that we're picking the same as God is picking, but more along the attitudes of let's look into what God is already doing in people's lives and let's get on his page rather than let's make a decision and pray that God ratifies our decision. People who are called to elders and deacons in any ministry position in the church, we don't have to focus just on those two. The prayer is that we can see what God is already doing through people to work in his church. God's call needs to be evident in our lives. I've seen too many churches where people have said, you know, this person, boy, wouldn't it be great if they were a little bit more involved in the church? Let's make them a deacon. And then now that we've appointed them to this task, maybe they'll start coming every week and maybe they'll get more, maybe they'll get more involved. And that is, that is so backwards from, from what we see biblically. Uh, there's nothing like that. And, and I'm horrified at how many churches I've seen have taken that attitude through the years of if we, if we make somebody in this position, maybe they'll live up to the task that, that this position requires. This is why it's important to see God's call and see who God is calling for positions within the church. Are they called to serve? Elders are called to serve and equip the flock, not lord it over people, not boss people around and micromanage. Deacons are also called to serve the flock. They're not junior elders. It's, it's a different task of ministry. Um, and ministers, all ministers, and this is not preacher, elders, deacons, I remind us all that the word minister um, means to minister to the needs of people, to serve. Whether preacher, elder, deacon, musician, Sunday school teacher, hospitality, so many ministries all ministers of the church, you're all called to minister in your way. All ministers are called by God. It's not first and foremost, what do you want to do? It's what is God calling me to do? And if we don't, if it becomes self-focused, if, we, if we're first and foremost concerned about what we want, if we're true Christians, we look at what God wants us to do um, by his grace and not for our pleasure. God addresses the call of his ministers. God also addresses the character of his ministers. One of the biggest frustrations of preachers for 2,000 years has been that there's not a great job description of deacons. Elders is a little weak, but for deacons, just bluntly put, we know that the church is to have deacons, but it is very difficult to say what a deacon specifically is called to do. The church has debated this for 2,000 years and will continue to do so. You know, in Acts chapter 20, we read that elders are overseers, are shepherds. That helps. Three different titles for the same position that are used, certainly in Acts chapter 20, interchangeably. And if we use elder and overseer and shepherd as not just titles but job descriptions, it can help us narrow down on the ministry task of elders. Deacons is tricky. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 mentions them. Romans chapter 16, verse 1 uh, adds a little confusion, maybe even for some people, to the, to the task. And, and we got this chapter, and then we're kind of done. Maybe Acts chapter 6, although quite frankly, it uses the verb deacon to describe the ministry of the 12 apostles and the ministry of the seven ministers, deacons. Um, it's, it's easy. It's easy to fall into the trap and think that may, may, maybe we don't have the whole book. Maybe, maybe a chapter got left out. Maybe there's a chapter 3.5 of First Timothy that tells us what deacons are supposed to do. It's easy to fall into that. Um, but I, I think the fact that the Bible doesn't focus on the job task, but on the qualifications of the deacon, probably tells us something about what really matters to God, that character is important, and, and may, who we are may be more important than the specifics of what we do. Um, if we get the right people in office, office of, of deacon, then maybe we don't have to worry about it specifically what they're doing, because if they're the right people, they'll do the right thing in the right time. And I think that when I learn to kind of look at the Bible that way and see that God cares about who I am on the inside and not just what my hands are doing, uh, because you can be a bad person and go through the motions of being good, but if you're a good person, you will always do the right things. That God's emphasis on the character, especially here in 1 Timothy 3, his emphasis on the character of elders and deacons gives me an insight into what really matters to God. Uh, It's not about term limits um, because if you have the right people for the job, you don't need to talk about term limits. It's about humility and selflessness and sacrifice. Servants who lead by their Christ-like character. You know, a godly person who's not good as the world considers leadership will simply lead by quiet, humble example. And you will have a good church from that. But the same cannot be said of, of someone who is a commanding, bossy, authority figure who doesn't have the character to back it up. The goal of the church is not about programs or events and doing things, is it? The goal of the church is to show people God, to, to lead people to God through his son Jesus. And in his foolishness, if I can use the word that Paul uses, In his foolishness, God has left that ministry in our hands. We imperfect people to be examples of what it means to be Christ-like. The job description of servants is not as important as knowing that they are godly in their character. And then that doesn't apply just to, to elders and deacons, does it? That applies to all of us. We're all called to be Christ-like in our attitude. That's, that's the call. Elders and deacons should set us an example of that. And I think that that's a very high calling, to set an example of Christ-like character. But it's not just for them. A church would fall apart if that's the only people that are, that are acting Christ-like. We're all called to do that. <coughs> this, is, this is why recent converts make bad elders. And, and, and bad deacons, and why deacons need to be tested in their work. You know, new converts are great. We love new converts. We want new people. And, and new converts have an enthusiasm about them that's, that's a delight. 
and, and can be infectious. Uh, we remember some of us when we became uh, Christians and we were excited and we were ready to win the world. And in fact, statistically, most evangelism is unfortunately done in the first two years that someone is a Christian. For the first two years, they love sharing Jesus, but then he kind of becomes old hat and we kind of quit. And so, so there, is a, there is a wonderful enthusiasm that, that new converts have uh, that, that is a good thing and should be encouraged, and it would be wonderful if we never lost that, that new excitement. But there's also a maturity of Christ-like character that comes over time. Um, there's a humility that comes from the long struggle of trying to follow God day after day, not always succeeding, and learning from our mistakes. If, in your mind, you got it right, and you know what you're doing, then I'm not sure that you have the humility to be a, 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 a leader within the church called to a position of this. Um, it, it's tough because sometimes it's easy to think that what God cares about is head knowledge. You, I, you can have this book memorized. I've, I've got a friend back in Illinois. Um, he left the faith, and, that, and I find that very, very tragic. But before he left, man, he knew the Bible well. And so he still knows the Bible really well. He's not a Christian. But I would put him up in, in Bible trivia against most, most Christians I know, and, and, and he would run rings around most people. But that doesn't mean that he knows God. Head knowledge doesn't save us. You can know the Bible forward and backwards, and it doesn't mean that you're right with God. It doesn't, it's not head knowledge it's heart knowledge when we put it into practice. And we work through the tough question of what does it mean to be Christ-like. That's what Christian maturity is. This list of qualifications that Paul gives us is not exhaustive. It's simple, but it's simple in a tough way because you can kind of sum this chapter up, be like Jesus, and that just kind of makes us groan because that's not always easy to be like Jesus. Jesus responds to the world in ways that are not natural. They don't come easily to us. The, the turning the other cheek, the always, always acting in humility and grace and forgiveness isn't easy, but it's what we're called to be. One of the other things that God addresses through Paul is the home of the elder and the deacon. And there's a lot of emphasis here on their home life, isn't it? A surprising amount. Uh, both elders and deacons, there's these instructions of what it's supposed to be like, not just at church, but in their own homes, how, how their wives and, and, and how their kids factor into this. I, I've known through the years elders that have stepped away from the position because of issues in their own home. Uh, and, and I respect that. That's a hard thing to have to deal with. Sometimes parents do their best, and, and kids can still turn out to be scoundrels sometimes. Uh, but the truth is that if there's chaos in the house, that is where the elder and the deacon, you know, before they were an elder and a deacon, their call is to their family. And, and if family is having struggle, they shouldn't take attention away from their family to help the church through its struggles. We're called to our families first. Um, and, and so for some people, that... that that is where their ministry needs to be first is, is to help get things in order in their house. Um, you can't devote energy to the church while your home is falling apart. 
Now, there does come a point where we're talking about kids. We're not talking. There comes a point when kids grow up and they go on. And I've known some people that have thought, well, boy, my kid walked away from the faith. I'm not called church leadership. I don't know that that everybody makes their own decision. At some point, kids grow up and that has to become their faith. Just because someone's child grew up and decided that that wasn't for them doesn't mean that that parent is an absolute failure. And I I need to emphasize that. I've known so many through the years um, who did the absolute best they could to raise their kids, and some of the kids turned out fine and became Christians, and some, for whatever reason, they, they didn't. It doesn't make parents failures. I absolutely want to emphasize that. Um, we, are all, we are all called to our own relationship with God, and if that could be forced on someone else, well, then it wouldn't be grace. Um, I, I've known people that went off to Bible college <coughs> that even graduating Bible college walked away from the faith. I've known too many. Too many friends that I had when I was in college. It, not everybody, do, I mean, the Bible is very clear when it talks about the seeds that falls on different soils, that not everybody sticks with it. And we pray, of course, that they come back one day. Um, but when kids are at home, when mom and dad and the kids are at home, we, we pray that there's a godly house that they're raised in. Um, <coughs> I, I, I think that this is why that there's this emphasis on, on the wives of elders and the wives of deacons. Now, this, uh, these can be some tricky verses to, to, to translate through. I'll be honest, the Greek could be a little... Uh, some of us could wish for a little more concise and clear Greek. But I think the context of the passage uh, in talking about elders and their wives and deacons and their wives, um, uh, there's this emphasis that no church servant can serve the church as effectively as God would like if their family doesn't support them in that ministry. Um, if, if, the fam- if things are distracting at home and the family does not support ministry, then it's hard to be an effective minister. Ministry's hard. My wife props me up all the time. Um, she, she's, she's the reason I'm able to get up and keep coming back and doing this again and again is because God works through her. Um, Ministry is a team effort. The family of a church leader must support the ministry of God and the servant of God. And the final thing, if my voice will hold up to the end, the final thing is that God then turns around and addresses the entire congregation. At the end of the day, we have to remember that we're not talking about businesses or governments. The church is not meant to be professional It's not a business, and it's not meant to operate like a government. It's the family of God. And so we're reminded that a husband who forces his way in a family and always is the boss, that's not the harmony that God wants. God doesn't need a healthy family isn't a husband who puts his foot down all the time and gets his way. That a wife who cajoles and nags and manipulates to get her way, that this isn't the harmony that God wants in a house. And it's not what he wants in a church. This is God's house. And, and, and obviously we're not talking about the building, are we? We're talking about the congregation. We're talking about we as his people. God wants his house taken care of properly, harmoniously, biblically, Christ-like. And for whatever crazy reason, God has left his 
his perfect bride, his bride that is being made perfect, in the hands of us, some very imperfect people. And that seems pretty crazy to me, that he would do that. But that's what he is, exactly what he has done. And so it's up to us to do our best uh, with, with the strength of the Holy Spirit to, to be the church, to be Christ-like in how we act. God wants his house taken care of. Uh, have, some families, as my mom once pointed out, some families put the fun in dysfunctional. And there are some families out there that have some issues. Um, or again, as, as I've heard, even some go beyond a few issues and they've got full subscriptions. Um, there are some families that, that the family reunions are, are awkward, um, manipulative, backstabbing, not the way that families should operate, power games and backroom deals that operate like government shadowy agencies. There may be families that do that. My heart breaks for families that have that, that devious dysfunction in them. But the church should never be like that, should it? God doesn't want a dysfunctional family. He wants a happy, healthy, loving family that draws close to him. A place where people can mature in Christ and, cut and, draw, and through Christ draw closer to God. That's the call of the church. We don't have the full job description of elders, and, and I'm not sure that we have any job description to speak of of deacons. But I don't know that I don't think that God's goal was to be vague. I don't think that things were left out. I think I think that God emphasized through Paul what mattered to him. It wasn't vague to Timothy. It wasn't vague to the church in Ephesus. This list was I don't think so much to be a job description for the elders and deacons. It was a letter for Timothy to share to the whole church on what kind of people we are all called to be. The importance of godliness, of Christ-like character. And that's not just an elders, deacons thing, is it? That's all of us as ministers of God. Our hymn of invitation today is hymn number 322. You know, (coughs) the difference between a growing Christian and someone that isn't growing in Christ, the difference is service. It's not about showing up at church and being an audience. An audience... An audience, uh, <coughs> football fans, again, have been, I've said this before, but I still like it. Football is 11 people desperately in need of a break, watched by 11,000 people desperately in need of exercise. Churches can fall into that, that a few people are serving and everybody else is watching them serve. But a healthy church is where we're all called to service. If you're only showing up to be fed, you will become spiritually fat and lazy and have nothing to offer. But if we want to grow, we learn what it means to serve. That's not just elders and deacons. They maybe set us an example. But we're all called to be servants in Christ. If you have a decision to make for the Lord, maybe it's even to become a Christian, I would like to talk with you about that after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.